This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class every Wednesday evening for those who are not able to be with us and for those who are listening across the country and literally around the world through the internet. So we're thankful to have this opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to spread God's word on such a widespread basis through the, through the medium of the internet and over these podcasts. We're thankful to be able to do that. We take that seriously. We want to teach God's word accurately, effectively, and powerfully to help people grow in their faith, because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as we grow in our faith, we should be coming closer to God. And as we come closer and closer to God, learning his word and making the proper applications to our lives, we should come to the point where we make up our mind to come to him all the way. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his son, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith openly, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins. At that point, being reborn spiritually, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, being being born again, being made new, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, and that is being made new from a spiritual perspective, being forgiven of our sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, and also coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. So we want to help people not just feel good, but we want to help them be saved. And so we teach God's word, and we teach it, we try to teach it plainly, accurately, and in a way that is easy to understand. So we're thankful that you're there. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. Help other people learn God's word, grow in their faith, and get to heaven. Share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study from 2 Peter chapter 3. And we've been taking some time as we have gone through this particular chapter because it's very rich. And so we've really been looking at it kind of a verse at a time over the last three, over the last three sessions together. And we're probably going to do that again today. We're down to verse 11. Now I want to read, well first, when you look at the first seven or eight chapters Uh, seven or eight verses of this third chapter, Peter's dealing with scoffers, those who are criticizing, ridiculing, if you would, saying, well, wait a minute, you've been teaching us that the Lord is coming back. Well, when is that going to happen? It hasn't happened yet. And so they were scoffing. Now, some of these scoffers were probably non-believers to begin with, but some of them may have been people who had believed in Christ and become Christians, but they have thought, well, hey, I thought he was going to come back quickly, right away, virtually. And so that hadn't happened. The sun kept coming up every morning, going down every night. The years had passed, maybe a couple of decades or so. And so they say, when's he coming? You told us something. We don't see it happening. And Peter was addressing that. And he said, Uh, In verse 8, 
understand that with the Lord, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. Now, he wasn't putting a, an, a, a specific amount of time on how God saw each day, saying each day was with God automatically calculated to be a thousand years. He's simply saying, with God, time has no meaning as we understand time because God is eternal. Again, Peter could have said 10,000 years is as a day or 20,000 years is as a day. With God, he is absolutely eternal and time has no meaning. And so Peter was saying, okay, you're criticizing, you're scoffing because the Lord hasn't come yet. Understand that was only a relatively few years period of time-wise since the Lord had ascended back to heaven. Well, what about people today? It's been almost 2,000 years since that event, and there are people scoffing still today. But God's timeline is not necessarily our timeline. We're finite beings. We want things to to happen right away, and God says, no, no, uh, I'll cause those things to happen at the right time. And then in verse 9, Peter assured his readers, and of course, this is written to us as well today, he said, the Lord is not slack counting uh, concerning his promise. Don't, don't think the Lord is, is you know, wishy-washy or that he is, you know, kind of just falling behind. He's, he's you know, just not paying attention, whatever. He's not slack concerning his promise. But Peter said, he is long-suffering. God is long-suffering. Now, different word we could put there is patient. He's being patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The time period that has gone by since the Lord went back to heaven, after his resurrection from the tomb, having been crucified and put in that tomb, that, that time period, it, God is waiting, giving mankind, humanity, time to recognize their need to repent and seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ, to be baptized into him for the remission of their sins. God is giving us time, but now eventually that time is going to run out. And in the next verse, as we noted, he said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In other words, at an unexpected time for those who are not ready. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are on in it will be burned up. And so God has reserved this world for a final day of judgment on which he will destroy this world as we know it through fire. He did that once before in the days of Noah through water. But after that happened, he said, I won't destroy the world with water again, but it is reserved for that final day of judgment when he will send his son as our Lord and Savior back to this earth to judge all mankind. And on that day, that will be the end as far as this world is concerned as we know it because it will be burned up. Now in verse 11, where we want to pick up today, Peter then uses logical reasoning. And he says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, in other words, this world is going to be burned up, the elements will melt with fervent heat, the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 
he said, since these things are going to happen, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, Peter's saying, okay, since this is what's going to happen, shouldn't you be getting yourself ready for that day? In case it happens in your lifetime, before you die physically? But even if it doesn't happen during your lifetime, shouldn't you be getting ready for it anyway? Because you're going to meet the Lord at judgment. Whether he comes while you're still living physically on this earth, or whether you die physically and then meet him at the judgment. Because you see, what did the Apostle Paul write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10? He said, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give account. Give account. Give account for what? We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We will all meet our Lord at his judgment seat in eternity, and we will have to give account for how we have lived our lives in this world. So Peter is saying, yes, the day of judgment's coming. The Lord is coming back. God is going to destroy this world through fire. So don't you think you ought to be paying focused attention, getting ready for that day? Now, whether you're still alive on this earth physically when that day comes, or whether you have already died physically, you're going to meet the Lord on that day. That day will be judgment day. Don't you think you ought to get ready? Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? But don't, don't fall into the practice, if we might, or maybe just the mindset of the scoffers that Peter was correcting and even rebuking in the first seven verses of this chapter, who were saying, hey, hadn't happened yet. Lord hadn't come back yet. When's he coming? When's he coming? Tell me, tell me. Hasn't happened yet. And so they were scoffing, ridiculing, criticizing the teaching that there will be a final day of judgment. Well, Peter says, you need to be ready. I've told the story by way of illustration many times through my years of teaching and preaching that there was an owner of maybe we could call an estate and he was going to take a trip and he had a groundskeeper I believe who took care of the grounds around his home and so he told him he was going to be on a trip. He didn't tell him when he was going to, how long he was going to be gone, when he was going to come back. And he said, you know, basically just, you take care of things now while I'm gone. And so that groundskeeper took his responsibility that his master had placed upon him seriously. And he worked on those grounds diligently and continuously. The owner of the property he was gone an extended time period. And so, but the groundskeeper, he kept going to work, kept going to work, kept doing his job, taking care of things. And so somebody walked by one day and he was working in, on the grounds around the home, 
taking care of things. I'm sure there were probably uh, flowers and trees and bushes and, you know, all kinds of things that he was giving his attention to. And this person walking by said, you know, you act like, you work like, you think your master is coming back tomorrow. And the groundskeeper stopped and he looked at this individual and he said, no, today I work like, I act like, I expect him to come back today. You see, he was not being slothful. He was not being careless in his responsibilities, in his work for, of serving his master. He had been hired to do a job. He was doing it, whether the master was there or not. Well, that's the point that Peter's trying to get across here in verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter 3. You know these things I'm telling you. You've been told. You've been taught. The scriptures are repetitive that one day the Lord is coming back to judge mankind and God will destroy this earth at that time with fire. You need to be paying attention and be ready, not just for someday, but today, because today could be the day. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's what God expects from us. Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16. And notice what he said in that particular first letter. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. God is absolutely holy. <clears throat> absolutely holy. Christ was, when he was on this earth, even in human form, and as God, the Son, he is absolutely holy. Absolutely holy. Well, all kinds of verses of Scripture talk about this reality that God is the ultimate example, or we could say Christ is the ultimate example, but God expects us to be holy as well. In Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45, Moses wrote this, and this is for God's people in that time, the Israelites. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who, br who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, sh uh, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Well, then we also note that in Leviticus chapter 19, the apostle uh, 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 Moses also, he, he reiterates this or repeats this particular instruction. And so we look there in, in uh, chapter 19. And let me get my bearings straight here. In Leviticus chapter 19 and 
and verse 2. Leviticus 19 and verse 2. And here again, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. An instruction in holiness in how we re react toward and deal with our, our parents. We need to respect them. We need to be holy as we live before them. And then in chapter 20 and verse 7, in chapter 20 and verse 7, again, Moses writes along this line, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God. And of course, the understanding there again is, I am your example, I am your standard of holiness. You be holy, because I am holy. And you are following me, you are my people, and I expect you to live by that standard. Now, can we be possibly as perfectly holy as God is holy? Well, of course not. We're human, we're finite, we still make mistakes. But there is a basic standard of holiness that God expects from us. And that is that we are to remove ourselves from sinful lifestyles, and we are to be, you know, we read that word all the time in the scriptures, sanctified or sanctification, and that simply means to be set apart unto holiness from the world, because the world is caught up in the sinfulness that the devil tries to lead all of humanity into. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 1, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, or out of respect to God. God expects us to live holy lives before him. He wants us to be his holy people. Now again, the idea of sanctification is we are set apart from the world. We're set apart into holiness, to be a holy people. God wants us to live in, in a way that we're, we have removed ourselves from those sinful practices. And so his word guides us into those standards of holiness. We look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And how does God's word guide us? It teaches us God's will for our lives. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul reminds young Timothy that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. God calls us to holiness, and that is out of sinfulness in Christ. He calls us to holiness in Christ. And through Christ we can be counted holy. There's that strange word that we read repeatedly through the scriptures, and that is the word propitiation. Now, it's, it's talking about how Christ substituted for us in going to that cross. We were the ones, all humanity are the ones, that deserve to be on that cross because of our sinfulness. But he went to that cross for us, and he died so that we could be forgiven of our sins if we will come to him through 
the gospel message of salvation and live that holy life before him. And through his, through his sacrifice, we can be counted holy. Again, if we will come to him in the way that God has prescribed through the gospel. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. See, there's the problem. That's mankind's biggest problem, sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. God guides us to holiness through the gospel of Christ. In broad-based basis, God guides us to holiness through his word. His word teaches us about the depravity, the wickedness, the evil of sin, and to come out of that and be forgiven through the gospel of Christ by coming to our Lord in repentance of our sins and being baptized for the remission of our sins. Now remember what, what Peter said in Second, uh, in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 in response to the scoffers after he had told them, you know, you're, you're all caught up in, in a finite time period because you're finite human beings. The Lord hasn't come yet, and it had only been a relatively few period, a few number of years since he had gone back to heaven after being risen from the grave, and, and yet they were scoffing already. Well, people are still scoffing today. But Peter is saying, again, in verse 8, he said, look, time has no meaning with God. A thousand years with him is like a day. And then in verse 9, he said, God's not slack concerning his promise, but his long-suffering is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is giving us time to learn the truth as communicated in his word, to learn our need for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and to repent of our sins and come to him for that forgiveness. He's giving us time, and that's what the time period that has lapsed since Jesus ascended back to heaven until now, and until he comes again, God is giving us time, giving us time. First, but he wants us to not waste that time. And that's what Peter is saying there in verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter 3. You know this is coming. This day of judgment is on the horizon. Now exactly when, we don't know. But because we know it's coming, and because we don't know just exactly when, regardless, we should be ready right now. You should be paying attention. You should be living the godly lifestyle, the holy lifestyle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse, in verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote, If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He's not talking about a literal building, a structure, but he's talking about our, our lives, basically. He says we are as Christians, we are the temple of God, and God's temple is meant to be 
holy. We are to live lives that exemplify that holiness before him and before the world around us. We are to be those examples of godliness, of holiness to everybody around us because the world is caught up in and lost in sin. We're to be the shining light, the seasoning salt, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, Peter wrote this, This is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. If we go back to verse 5, now again, we're to live that holy life before them, and in that way, put to silence their ignorance. We go back to verse 5 in chapter 2. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, what's he talking about there? The church. As we become Christians, what does our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ do for us? He adds us to his church, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. As we're baptized into him, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins, verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, and we come into salvation, Mark 16, 15, and 16, and he adds us to his church, which is his body, his spiritual body, Acts 2 and verse 47. And so as the church, every individual Christian is a living stone within that spiritual structure. We're, we're built up as a spiritual house, the church, the body of Christ, and we are to be as such a holy priesthood, and we're to offer up through our lives, through our work, through our dedication, our service to God and Christ, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. We are to be that holy priesthood. Holy priesthood. Again, we're to live lives that evidence holiness. If we drop down to verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 2, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. How blessed we are to be partakers of the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. As we are baptized into him, our sins are cleansed, We're, our, our souls are washed clean, our sins are washed away through the blood of Christ. And we are counted by God through Christ to be holy, his holy people. And so Peter reminds these readers in verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter 3, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, since the Lord is coming back on that judgment day, what manner of persons ought you to be? In other words, in getting ready for that day, staying ready for that day, in holy conduct and godliness.
Well, are you living that holy life? Are you living in holiness before God? Are you ready for that day right now? It could be today, but it might be a hundred years from now or a thousand. Because again, God knows the right time. And time, as we know it, has no meaning for him. But he has promised he will send his son back one day. And we will all stand before him in judgment. Are you ready for that day? Are you living in holiness? We'd like to help you. You can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link. Or you can phone us at 402-498-8397. We'd like to help you. We'd like to talk with you, study with you. We'll make the way for you to be able to study and learn how to be ready for that day, to live in holiness before God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, help people everywhere. Help each one of us to recognize our need to live in holiness before you because we want to be with you in your holy city, heaven itself, for all of eternity. Help us. Help people everywhere to recognize this need to be prepared. Thank you, God. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.